0: Once again, it's a privilege to be able to open the Word of God with you tonight. Uh, One last time, I want to express my gratitude uh, to the church and you as a congregation uh, for giving me the opportunity to speak. It's been a blessing. Uh, I'll say it's more of a benefit uh, to study to teach than it is to sit under teaching. as You get to know the passage so much better, and it's been a joy for me to explore the book of Ruth with you. So I'm finishing up the book of Ruth, there are four chapters, uh, I've gotten four sermons, this is the last one, and, and if you'll notice, you may not have noticed, but I kept track of this, uh, the last three times, I, I told you it was leading up to a big finish, right? The last three times I let you out ten minutes early each time. This is a big finish, I have until 8.30 to get it all out, okay? I didn't tell you that, or pastor, but that's where we're at. Uh, So it's time for the conclusion of the story. Chapter 4. So where have we come from? First, the main theme of the whole book is that the grace of God uh, is is from this story throughout, from the beginning until the end. Okay? In chapter 1, if you go back there, you don't have to turn there, but we're going to be there uh, throughout the book. In chapter 1, there was a famine. That's why Elimelech uh, led Naomi and the two sons out of Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to the land of Moab. Now, they were supposed to stay in the land of of Judah, in the promised land. Uh, That's what God had promised them. It was the land where they were supposed to dwell, but they disobeyed that and they left. Elimelech ends up dying uh, because of his sin. And then the sons who were there, so it's just the two sons and Naomi, the sons end up marrying Moabite women. And in the law, they were not supposed to intermarry with the Canaanites and the outsiders. They were supposed to, Marry within their own people. So the sons end up dying. Uh, Their two wives were Ruth and Orpha. So now what you have left is Naomi, who has no immediate family left, and you have the two daughter in laws. Sin has run its course on this family. The destructive nature of sin uh, has ravaged it, it's left uh, widows, it's left people in grief. Uh, and then you get after that, and you get to Ruth's faithfulness. Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi is great. She decides to stick with her uh, in the journey home. Ruth and Naomi decide to go back to the land of Judah and Bethlehem, and they do this at the beginning of the barley harvest. Uh, that will come in play later. Chapter 2, Ruth then is at home in, in, in uh, Judah, and she happens to go out to glean in the fields of Boaz, Okay. So it was by chance uh, the Lord led her there, but Boaz takes kindly to her. Okay? So then Ruth is allowed to glean in the fields of Boaz. It gives her, her and Naomi a source of, of, of security, a source of food, uh, and a source of protection. Boaz offers all this through his kindness. Boaz then shows extreme kindness to Ruth, uh, allows her to eat with them, and gives them extra grain. Ruth returns to Naomi, and Naomi realizes that Boaz is a relative and can be a redeemer of Ruth. And at the end of chapter two, Naomi begins to praise the Lord. That's an interesting observation, because at the end of chapter one, when Naomi came back, she saw all the Lord had taken away out of her life because of their sin. She says, Call me Mara, for I am bitter. Mara meaning bitter. Now Naomi begins to change. So chapter three, then a request for redemption. Okay? After two months of waiting, this barley harvest was two months. So they got back to Judah. At the beginning of the barley harvest, and they got two months uh, to, to complete it, and there had been no advancement with Ruth and Boaz in their relationship. So Naomi, uh, the mother-in-law, devises a plan for Ruth to ask Boaz for redemption. Part of this plan involved going to lay at his feet one night. Uh, it was not a wise plan. At best, it was just an unwise plan. At worst, it was a seductive plan by Naomi. But Ruth listens to Naomi and appeals to Boaz one night. Thankfully, Boaz reacts kindly and with honor. Uh, He says he will redeem her, but there's one relative closer that they must ask first. So Boaz sends Ruth back home and promises to go check with the closer redeemer the next day. That's the end of chapter 3. It's now chapter 4. It's the next day. So Boaz is going to go out and do this. You can turn to chapter 4 if you haven't already. We'll be splitting it up into four sections, similar to how I've done in the past, except four this time. So we're going to go verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to go verses 7 through 12, verses 13 through 17a, and then verse 17 through 22. This whole chapter is the story of how Boaz is going to redeem Ruth, and how this story of redemption is a foretaste of the ultimate redemption that we have attained through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. This whole chapter, chapter 4, is the story of how Boaz is going to redeem Ruth and how this story of redemption is a foretaste of the ultimate redemption that we have obtained through the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow along in your scriptures beginning in chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. And he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Just before this section starts, Naomi states, that her confi- states her confidence that Boaz is a man of action and will act. In the end of chapter 3, it says, She replied, that's Naomi, Wait, my daughter, until you hear how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will set her, settle the matter today. And sure enough, Boaz heads to the gate early the next day. In verse 1, chapter 4, it says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. What is this gate? What significance does it have? Well, this gate is the gate of the city, okay? the city of Bethlehem. Okay? It is an open area where the disputes and the public affairs of the city were decided. So this is a place where if someone was going to be redeemed, this is the place to go. If you have an issue with the law, if you have an issue with what is just, what is right, and you want to understand it and you want people to settle it, this would be the place to go. It's where these things were taken care of. So Boaz heads to the gate, as he should, and runs into the closer redeemer, the one who he had mentioned previously. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat there, and behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. This redeemer who who comes by is the one Boaz is looking for. Uh, Boaz has him sit down. it's time to settle the issue of Ruth's redemption once and for all. Who is it going to be? So he calls for witnesses. Verse 2, it says, he took ten ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat. So now he's got got the man, so it'll either be redemption by this closer relative or him, and he's got the ten elders there. They've got the witnesses. So Boaz is ready. Uh, He presents the case now to the closer redeemer. This man is not named, but he's simply labeled as the closer redeemer. Verse 3, So this land, you've got to go all the way back to chapter 1. This land which Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons left stayed in their possession. Okay? Uh, it was rightfully still Naomi's when she returned as the husband of Elimelech. So Naomi was choosing to sell the land, and the closest redeemer would have the first opportunity to buy it. So option 1, this closer redeemer buys the land and redeems it. Option 2 then, if this closer redeemer doesn't, Boaz is offering to do it. The Redeemer answers in an unexpected way. He says, I will redeem it. Well, this foils the whole plan. The whole plan was that Boaz would go to redeem it, but this man says, I will redeem it. But Boaz is ready. He has not yet revealed the full extent of what redemption would be required. Uh, In in verse 5, he says, Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead, in his inheritance. See, this redemption purchase was tricky. Okay? It gets confusing here because of all the deaths and, and the family. So we're going to have to study the Old Testament law for just a bit uh, before we can really see what needs to go on. So you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. Uh, it's three verses in number, four verses in Numbers 27. Numbers 27, uh, verses 8 to 11. Says, and you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel a statute and a rule as the Lord commanded Moses. So the land was Elimelech's, but he died. So now it's with Naomi, but she can sell it. So if it was to stay in the family, it would drop to a son, which is Malon or Chilion, but they're both dead, they died. But their wives are still alive. But then if that doesn't work, it would drop to a daughter, which Elimelech doesn't have any recorded. Then it would go to a brother, there's no recorded brother, then the nearest kinsman. So it would be A, the closest kinsman, and then B, Boaz. So Naomi's attached to this land still because it was her husband. It was her husband Elimelech's land. And Ruth is also attached because the land should first go to Malon and Chilion, and Malon being her husband. So it's tricky because this land that is being offered to the nearest kinsman, but these two widows are also attached to the land. So this land comes with two widows, and this now affects the redemption. We've talked about this before in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 6. It says, If brothers Dwell together, and one of them dies, and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside to the family outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to him the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. There are two obliged brothers. Milan and Chilion, which means the offer of redemption, or there were no obliged brothers because Milan and Chilion had died, which means the offer of redemption falls to Ruth, or redemption for Ruth falls to the closest relatives. Therefore, if the Redeemer is going to purchase the land, he is also responsible to redeem Ruth and produce children with her. So now Boaz explains this to the man, and the man uh, You also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. So the closer redeemer, he explains this to him, and the man offers no rebuttal. It seems that it was good and solid reasoning because at the beginning uh, of verse 6, he offers no objection. He just goes on and says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So the closest relative... Redeemer gives up his right to the field, as he is not willing to also marry Ruth. You see, this would cost money. It would cost money to pay for the produce of the land until the year of Jubilee. You know the Old Testament law. Every 50 years, the land would return to its original owner, which would go back to Naomi's family. So if the man was to buy this land, if there were, say, it was year 2 of 50, there's 48 years until the redemption, the price would be great. But if you're all the way up in the 40s, the price would be smaller because there's only a few years left before the land would go back to the original family. So you're buying it for a time, not for all time. And then here's the other part. Once Ruth would bear a son, assuming he, he, he con- continues through in, in the redeeming process, and he has a son with Ruth, that son would be the rightful heir to that redeemed land, Because now it's in the line of Naomi. It's in the descendants. It's a son of Naomi. So this land would rightfully go to that son. So it would leave the possession of the Redeemer or Boaz. He would not keep it for all time or only until the son was born and could take it. So because of this cost, the closest Redeemer gave up his right to redeem the field and Ruth. Verse 6, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself for I cannot redeem it. This was not a sinful choice, especially with Boaz offering and willing to redeem it. There was nothing wrong for this man to decline. In fact, declining the chance to redeem something was not uncommon to the Old Testament. It was quite common because of the cost. It would cost a great deal of money. and If you just didn't have the resources, you, you couldn't do it. So as we end this first section, verses one through six, the first thing we see is more the character of Boaz revealed. Boaz is a man of his word, Okay. First he follows through on his promise to Ruth uh, to, to, go, uh, to go ask about the redemption. Then he's willing to redeem the land in Ruth even if it's at a great cost to himself. This is not a smart business decision. He's not making a great CEO here. Rather, he's showing an act of kindness and love uh, to the one who's being redeemed, that is Ruth. I think the greater thing you see from this first section is that redemption is, has a great cost. The one who chooses to redeem must choose to show great love. And if you're thinking about redeeming and, and what a great cost and showing great love, you can't help but think of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's throughout this final chapter. It cost Boaz financial loss to obtain this land in Ruth, but contrarily, it cost the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem us. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. See, the, the cost here for Boaz was simply gold or silver. The price for our redemption costs much, much more. It's the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God showed great love to us. In this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was not selfish, but selfless. He was not doing it. He did not redeem us uh, to make a smart business decision. Quite the opposite. He gave of himself to show love to us. And I encourage you, therefore, as you see the goodness of Boaz, and you see his character and his willingness to redeem here, let us praise the Lord all the more for redeeming us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. On to verse 7. We'll be going until verse 12. And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So you've seen the price of redemption. Now Boaz makes this transaction official for the field. Uh, He says, to confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a manner of attesting in Israel. So to give or to receive a sandal was a normal business transaction in this time. It wasn't foreign. It wasn't a new concept. You see it earlier in the scriptures, uh, even in the law in Deuteronomy 25, when it talks about redeeming. Uh, So this simply confirmed, finished, and sealed the transaction. In a way, it would be like a contract nowadays, not equivalent, but it would be similar It's the idea of a contract, especially done in the presence of witnesses. So Boaz uh, does this business and ritual with the closer redeemer. Then he makes it clear to all the people around what he is doing. There are witnesses there, the ten elders, and who knows if there was also a crowd there as well. In verse 9 and 10, this is how he makes it known. He says, he says to all the elders and all the people, however many were there, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that... belong to Chilion and Malon, and also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. See, Boaz's act of redemption is not just specific to the field, it's an all-encompassing redemption. He is redeeming everything that proceeded from Elimelech, his land, His sons, he's going to carry on their name. His wife, he's going to take care of Naomi. And his son's wives, he's going to take care of Ruth and redeem her. He's going to try to carry on the line of Elimelech by bringing Ruth a son. This is a full redemption he is willing to bring. The people see this, and it's an honorable thing. As we talked about, it costs a great amount to do redemption. Verse 11 and 12, Then the people who are at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So the people are asking God to bless this union, bless this marriage, bless this redemption. One of the ways they, they asked the Lord to bless this in their own minds is that they they wished for the blessing of a son. It would be a great help for Naomi, for a son could bring protection, it could bring provision, it could bring security, it could bring comfort uh, to Ruth and Naomi. They wished for the blessing of a great family. They had seen all that came out of, of Rachel and Leah. They had seen the great family that had come from Perez, this line of Judah, which ultimately is going to be uh, the line of Christ. But you see this, and they see all these great things come in. They wish a great family upon Ruth and Boaz. And sure enough, the Lord ends up blessing this marriage as we're about to see. Verse 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And, she, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Boaz marries Ruth, and God blesses them with a son. God shows his grace in giving them a child. If you think back to chapter 1, Ruth was already married. She had been with Mahlon, but the Lord did not provide children there by his grace. If there would have been a child there, that's where, that is where uh, this land would have gone. It's where the redemption would have come from. It leaves it open for Boaz. Now the Lord blesses Ruth and Boaz with a child. So Naomi is now a grandmother. This would be her redeemer. In verse 14 and 15 it says, And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So this child isn't going to be a physical redeemer like Boaz is, but it's going to be a provider, a protector, a helper to Naomi's, a nourisher of life, someone who can bring about joy, uh, joy back into her life, similar to how Ruth was a tremendous blessing to Naomi. We've talked about this in the previous chapters. It says in four fifteen b. It says, "For your daughter in law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, he has has given birth to him." Naomi or Ruth cared for Naomi in many ways. First, she worked in the fields. She went out to the fields of Boaz and worked and got food, brought protection, provision, companionship. Uh, she was younger and stronger. Uh, she was able to work and provide. And Ruth's faithfulness was tremendous. As it says, it was more to you than seven sons. Ruth did this extremely well, extremely faithfully. She was dependable. Ruth is a praiseworthy woman. This son will hopefully one day be able to grow up and protect and provide for Naomi and Ruth the way uh, that Ruth did for Naomi as they age and weaken. So Naomi begins to take special care of this child. It says, Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So he's now a son to Naomi, grandson, as one who can carry on the family line. The family line is alive. And this child brought great joy and blessing to Naomi. But I'll tell you what, the story of Naomi's life and the character of Naomi expressed in this book Written down is this, in this book is an interesting one, if you track it. Chapter 1. Naomi is bitter. The entire story. She is bitter, miserable to be with. She tries to send Ruth back. She tries to send Orpha back to their own gods, away from the God of Israel, away from Yahweh. Totally unthankful, totally mean to Ruth. Ruth is offering to be a companion, a help to her, and she rejects her. She's extremely bitter. She gets back and she says, the hand of the Lord is out against me. She says, call me Mara. Call me bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Naomi meant pleasant. She says, call me Mara, call me bitter. Chapter two, things change a little bit for her. After God provides for her in more blatant and obvious ways by giving provision in the field of Boaz, Naomi asks Boaz to be blessed by God because he provided for her. So she wishes blessing upon Boaz. And then you get to chapter three and she's back to her ways. She devises At best, an unwise plan and a most likely devious plan to get Boaz to marry Ruth. You look throughout this whole book, and there's not much good that Naomi has done, not much praiseworthy stuff in her life, not much to be modeled after. God showed tremendous grace to Naomi in this story. He showed grace to her in her disobedience. He showed grace to her in her bitterness. He showed grace to her in her unwise plans. He showed grace in her impatience. But I'll tell you what, when I think about this story, it's easy for me in my head to think of myself, if you put yourself into the story, to put myself into the story as a character like Ruth or like Boaz, as someone who's steadfast to the Lord, tremendously faithful, who obeys the Lord quickly, who obeys the Lord easily, and who is then blessed by the Lord. But I'd say there's often times in my life where my life resembles Naomi more closely than Ruth. Ruth. Okay, the Lord has given grace and shown blessings to me throughout my life, but it's not always been because of my faithfulness. Oftentimes, it's in spite of my unfaithfulness. And I'll tell you why. You see in this, in this third chapter, or fourth chapter, that Naomi's getting great joy out of this child, despite her disobedience, the whole leading up to it. One of my favorite memories is from Victory Valley. Some of you knew this. If you've, if you've worked at Victory Valley with me, I might have told you this story, or if you didn't, maybe you still heard it, I don't know. Uh, But I was at Pinebrook. It's my first summer, so this would be summer of 2015. I was at Pinebrook. It's week seven of Victory Valley, which is their last week. So I, I go to Pinebrook, and I spend the whole week there. And if you know Pinebrook, it ends Friday morning. Now, we had staff weekend that weekend at Victory Valley. And staff weekend is the best. You just play games, you hang out. It's great. I wanted to show up. See, we end Pinebrook Friday morning. I'm like, okay, that's great. I sleep all of Friday night. I sleep in Saturday morning wait till the cleaning's done, and then show up when it's game time on Saturday. That's what I'll do. My parents aren't dumb. They saw my plan, okay? They said, you're not going later, you're going earlier. Like, we're going to drop you off on the way home. You're going to serve that last day and offer where you can help. And me, also not being dumb, realizes the chances of where I'm going to work are maintenance or kitchen, and I hate maintenance and kitchen. Like, I'd much rather be with the kids so my parents made me go, and I was bitter about it. Didn't want to go. Terrible attitude. can relate a lot to Naomi in verse 1. Didn't want to be there. So I end up going there, and I, I forget what all I did. I helped around, and it was the closing ceremony. I found stuff to do. They helped me. Uh, and then it's about 9 o'clock or so. And I get a call. Can you go back to the cabinet, Dale? Sweet. Great. I'll go back with those kids. Like, well, their counselor's gone for the day. So he had to leave. He was doing some kind of Navy SEAL training or something, something in the Army. So he left early for training, and the other counselor was back there. So it's me and the CA, the helper, and next thing you know, uh, a kid comes out and asks to be saved. He's like, "I, I, I need to repent of my sins. Like, I need a Savior. He had given a short devotion, and all of a sudden, I'm there, and this kid's asking the Lord to forgive him of his sins. What a blessing. And then sure enough, that counselor gets called away. He has something else. So now it's me and these kids. I don't know these kids. Like, this is just the cabinet of Dale. I haven't met them all week. I haven't even talked with them. And what do you know? Three more children come out and just talk about their need for a Savior. I don't know their names. I got to lead four kids to the Lord that night. I don't know their names. I still don't. But when I think back of it, the Lord decided to bless me, someone who was a sinful attitude, who was bitter, who didn't want to be there, Wanted to be there for selfish means. He decided to bless me in spite of that. So, that whole story is to say this. Don't be too quick to count your own blessings of your life as a result of your faithfulness. Okay, there are times, there are great blessings that come with faithfulness. Obeying the Lord uh, is a great thing. Okay, it will bring goodness to your life, it will bring many blessings. But the Lord will often work through our sins, our bad attitudes, and our unthankfulness. For his own purposes. See those times as outworkings of God's grace. Okay? Those kids did not come to know the Lord because of the way I invested in them that week. That, that illustration goes for so many other things. Some, some plant, some sow, others reap. But Lord, the Lord just blessed me in the fact that he encouraged me, the chance that I got to lead kids to the Lord even though I had no interest in being there that night. So when the Lord outworks in grace in the midst of your sin, give thanks to Him that He is faithful even when we are not. Continuing on, verse 17. 17 through the end. And the women of the neighborhood gave Him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashan fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. The ultimate way in which this child brings blessing to the life of Ruth and Naomi is through his offspring. This child, Obed, is going to be the father of Jesse, the father of David, the king of Israel. I told you this story was building up. The entire point of this book is revealed right here. David's going to bring great blessing to this family and nation, That is well known, but more importantly, through the line of David, in the lineage is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the author concluding with this. This whole book, this whole story is leading up to this point at the end, this genealogy. He concludes with it. The whole book is setting up this genealogy which leads to Christ. You'll see this in Matthew 1. You can read the genealogy. It's the same as it is here at the end of Ruth. That's just earlier. It goes all the way down to Christ. You see the sovereignty of God throughout this whole book for the hidden purpose of bringing about the Messiah. These people in this story had no idea that this book was to bring about the Messiah. You see the marriage of Ruth to Malon. She's in the family. And then they don't have kids. That helps. The death of Elimelech, Malon and Chilion. That happens. The return of Ruth to Naomi. Even though Naomi was bitter. The timing of the barley harvests. That's when they appeared so she could go into the fields of Boaz. Then Boaz decides to take kindly to Ruth. Boaz takes kindly to Ruth's request for redemption despite Naomi's plan, the closer Redeemer declining to redeem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All these intricate details, these things that don't make sense in the moment, they're all part of God's plan to bring about the Messiah, to bring about the Redeemer. So if I can offer hope to a struggling believer, a doubting believer, an anxious believer, a hurting believer, Take hope in this. God is orchestrating every aspect of your life for his purposes and for your good. For his purposes and for your good. Even when his plan may not make sense to us, even when his plan is filled with pain and hardships, even when his plan does not end in the way you desire, I don't know your specific situation, whether it be a disease, a hardship, a grief, an injustice against you, a family issue, But I do know this. His plans are for our good, and his purposes are being accomplished through those circumstances. The plan was not always clear to Ruth. It was not enjoyable to Ruth. It was not always easy for Ruth. The why was not always answered. You can get to the end of the story, and the why is still not completely answered. You get the big idea why of the brought-about redemption through Christ, this line of David. But each of those individual instances, you don't always get the why. Especially in the moment. But God's purpose was accomplished. His plan of redemption was fulfilled. So we're at the end of the book. We've gone through all four chapters. What applications do you have? I don't have a lot, I just have three, but I'll say they're challenging. They're challenging for you and they're challenging for me. One be faithful where the Lord has you, the circumstances He has you in is not by accident. It's not in in spite of the plan of God or it's because of the plan of God. He has put you there for that reason. Secondly, it's not always best to know why. You will not always know why the Lord has you in a spot, but your job is to be faithful and to trust the Lord. Ruth's faithfulness led to redemption for both herself and for all people through her offspring. Be faithful where the Lord has you. Second, if you are a believer, if you have redemption through Christ, the Lord loves you. You can take that to the bank. Nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. He cannot love you more than he does now. God always works for the good of those who love him. It does not change no matter your circumstances. The purposes in a believer's life, God's purposes in a believer's life will always be fulfilled. Uh, Spurgeon once said this. He says, remember this. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. If God God loves you to the fullest, which he does if you're a believer, he has you in the situation that is best for you. In the same way a father cares for his children, God cares for you. He has you where he wants you. Know that the Lord loves you. That's point number two. Point number three Let our appreciation for the gospel never grow old. A, Christ has purchased redemption for us. We have full pardon. The price was steep, just as it was for Boaz with Ruth, but the price was even more steep for us with the blood of Jesus Christ. We have full rights as the sons and daughters of God now. B, God has made a great plan of redemption. We see part of that plan in this book. His whole plan of redemption starts in Genesis, goes goes through the gospel, through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and then it ends finally in, res- in, in Revelation where it will one day the, re- or the redemption will be complete. But you see this throughout history. He's bringing about our Savior. As you see in the book of Ruth. Let him be praised, for he has shown great love towards us. I am done. I guess I'm not going over. The lights are telling me to stop. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word, how it is true. We thank you for the story of Ruth. We thank you for the faithfulness you have shown us. You have not abandoned us if our circumstances are difficult. You love us, and that is why you have us where we are. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful uh, in what you have for us. Lord, let our appreciation for the gospel never grow old. Uh, We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, Uh, the corn roast is not outside. Uh, It's in Fellowship Hall. Thank you, you're dismissed.